welcome. This podcast is hosted by Vera Bhava Yoga and explores our understanding of yoga and its relationship to resilience. If you like exploring with us, use coupon code PODCAST2022 at virabhavayoga.com to receive 15% off of all Virabhava products and programming. I am your host, Kelly Golden, and I'm a writer, a yoga teacher, a dedicated practitioner, exhaustive thinker, and the founder of Virabhava Yoga School. I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. My primary focus is Sri Vidya Tantra and the ways that yoga can be directly applied to our lives in all situations. This season will continue to follow my exploration of just that, both my successes and my failures, as well as feature conversations with fellow practitioners, teachers, and humans living resilience as their yoga. Through contemplation, wondering, conversation, and experience, we will explore resilience as synonymous with the path and practice of yoga. Our conversations will unpack the points of crossover, the similarities of experience, and the ways that both practices support arriving whole and alive in the midst of wherever we find ourselves, be it hardship and challenge or joy and pleasure. Many of these conversations are hosted monthly as free live classes that also include an accompanying asana practice. Visit our website to learn more and to participate if you would like to explore studying with us more deeply. Check out our online Tantra yoga and meditation programs at virabhavayoga.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey friends, in this episode of the Yoga of Resilience podcast, we are tipping the scales on resilience to explore what resilience is not. We will talk about the uncomfortable truth that resilience does not fix, soothe, or solve our problems, but is instead an experience of feeling, accepting, opening, and allowing that is supported and resourced by the tools of yoga and tantra. We poke into the ideas of control as a coping strategy and unfold the awareness that our modern strategies of analyzing and psychologizing might be contributing more to our difficulties than helping us experience a resilient life. This episode introduces the possibility for growing our capacity by identifying our misunderstandings regarding resilience and making space for a new story to emerge. I hope you enjoy it. Take a moment to just notice yourself. Been contemplating a lot about what is the self that we notice. So notice what you notice when your attention is called inward. Our minds are highly active tools, machines, computers. So see if the first step in your noticing is what you feel or is it what you think? There's really no wrong way to do this, even if you're completely distracted. 
If you're distracted, notice what's distracting you. Can we make our seated, quiet observation one of complete inclusion rather than the attempt to perfect? If you hear children or cars or birds outside your window, can they be invited into what you're noticing? And then can you deepen that awareness, that attention inward and start to notice what you're feeling? So what you're feeling exists independently of why or how you're feeling it. So you can notice this on a intellectual level. You can notice this on an emotional level. And perhaps most concretely, you can notice it on a physical level. So as you enter your awareness, enter that space of attention, and notice what you feel. Is there space to feel what you feel without attaching a story to it? If your hip hurts, can you just feel the discomfort in your hip without trying to analyze it or solve it or fix it? Can you just feel it? If you feel aggravated about something that happened before you arrived, can you sense how you're feeling that in your body? Thread by thread, hook by hook, can you deepen into the truth of what you're feeling wherever you're feeling it and then Let's get real about how we really feel. And if even the thought of feeling our feelings, our sensations, our felt sense experiences feels scary, can you feel the fear of that? few more breaths. Let the truth of what you're really feeling, what you actually are experiencing right now in this moment, be your anchor. Let it place you in time and space. See that it exists without the necessitation of understanding why or how, for just maybe two more breaths, allow yourself to feel the actual reality of what you feel.
And then very, very slowly drop your chin to your chest. And you can blink your eyes open and come back. So, hmm. There's nothing like a tragedy. <laughs> I don't really want to call it that. There's nothing like a painful process, something like grief, to generate a lot of discomfort. Not just in those that are grieving, but also in those that encounter those that are grieving. Yeah. And through the process of observing that <laughs> for myself, it, it brought to light a really big truth about this industry and about maybe what we believe yoga to be. Um, I'm going to call it a truth. Maybe it's not. And maybe you already know this. I hope so. I feel like I've been talking about this for a while, but... Um, what I realized is we can't tolerate discomfort. So many people come to yoga because the discomfort is so uncomfortable. And so many of the strategies we use to try to tolerate our discomfort is to try to perfect a situation. Here's all the ways that I could do it better or do it right. right? Um, or to try to numb it. Right? I feel like I'm in Brene Brown territory right now. But, you know, like, have you seen this thing? Right? Oh, I'm feeling weird. Scroll, 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 scroll. Um, to try to distract ourselves, to try to avoid it. Um, and sometimes you just can't avoid discomfort. It doesn't matter how much you don't want to feel it. It's not going to go away. Right? During the process of my personal experience, uh, being in it was so uncomfortable that I didn't feel resilient at all. I felt suffering. Still, some days, feel suffering. And started to question the relationship between our discomfort and our pain and what resilience is. <clears throat> and I started looking around the YouTubes and the Googles. And um, I had written three quarters of a book about resilience. And then in the midst of my own pain, I started wondering if anything I had written was true. Because I didn't feel very resilient. Right? So um, what I found was there was a lot of yoga for resilience. Right? There's a lot of yoga out there that is going to lower your heart rate and deepen your breath and help you activate your parasympathetic nervous system and help you um, feel calm in the midst of stress and anxiety and help soothe 
most of the yoga of resilience or the yoga for resilience is, uh, is self-soothing. And I want to say, heck yeah. Great. But when yoga is resilience, when we're practicing the yoga of resilience, often soothing isn't available. And might not even be the right way to turn. Often trying to soothe ourselves is a way that we try not to feel the discomfort of what is real. Right? So if you have an achy hip or an achy shoulder or tight hamstrings, rather than feel it, we go to yoga to try to work it out. But what I've discovered, and and this is not new for me, but it's louder in me and I desire to share it in a bigger way. What I've discovered is that ache in your hip is telling you something if you would dare to listen to it and not just try to fix it. Your tight shoulders, I don't know, the fuzziness behind your eyes, whatever it is, it's informative, it's communicative. And it's speaking to you, but for the most part, our yoga is not teaching us how to listen. It's teaching us how to fix it, and it's teaching us how to soothe it, and it's, and it's teaching us how to solve our problems. And this is what I want to say. Next month's blog post, I've already written it. I totally believed that shit. I totally believed it. I studied with a teacher that said, yoga is a pathway to find answers to all your questions and solutions to all your problems. And I believed it. And it did and does take me to the crossroads of my awareness and give me the power to make a choice. But it has never been and it will never be a period at the end of your sentence of perfection. Always a comma, more often a colon. And right after the colon, there's a big shout of truth that descends upon you. If we believe that our yoga or that being resilient means that you're not going to feel bad, you're not going to experience pain, you're not going to have problems or challenges or dramas or shame or embarrassment or um, trauma, that I'm not positive that what we're practicing is yoga. I think instead maybe what we're pursuing is a powerful bypass of what is actually real about our own humanity. And when we can stop bypassing what's real and start landing in the truth, then guess what happens? We actually start feeling the discomfort and in doing so, the healing happens while we're in the discomfort instead of dragging along behind us for months or years or lifetimes. The avoidance of our pain 
is what keeps our pain lingering. And some pain just lingers. Maybe forever. Pain is not an indicator that something is broken and needs to be fixed. It's a megaphone calling you to turn towards it. That's all. I haven't looked at my notes. I'm gonna, I promise. It's right there. Like, it's hard to say it. Um, my personal experience with grief, I've, I've had a lot of loss. I lost grandparents I was close to. Not a lot, but my fair share. Um, my dad had been sick for 10 years. I had friends that were like, why are you so sad? Hasn't he been dying for a long time? Yes. Right? The loss of someone you love is painful. And there's nothing wrong with that pain. It doesn't need to be soothed. Heard, maybe, witnessed, probably, understood, definitely. Soothed? I don't think so. And I don't think that that is unique to the pain of losing a parent. Listen, we're so attached to our pain, to resolving our pain that we have created entire identities relative to the need to resolve our pain rather than feel it. Yoga doesn't mean even though I got into a little bit of a a horn lock on the Atlanta yoga teachers page, which I'm somehow still a part of. Um, Yoga doesn't mean love and light, sister. Yoga means to yoke yourself to what is real. And be fully present with it. To be in what is real so deeply that you can find the steadiness within it. To be in what is real so fully that you can find your breath in the discomfort. That's yoga. And it's freaking hard, man. You want to do yoga? Good luck. It is hard. And there's no period at the end of the sentence. I'm doing yoga now. Everything's perfect. Everything's right. I'm challenge free. Right? I do want to say that there's probably methods that that work to transcend your pain. And what I want to say about that is it doesn't make your pain go away. It just makes you farther away from it. And that's, you guys aren't strangers to our system. That's not what we do here. The yoga 
of resilience is the relinquishing of control. It doesn't necessarily mean that you go wild, (laughs) but it does mean that you're not attached to everything just getting right. You're not attached to fixing what you perceive to be broken. You're not attached to solving what you perceive to be a problem. You're not attached to soothing your discomfort. In the really deep yoga, they'll tell you go in and in and in and in and in to that which you consider pain, to that which you consider fear. Go so deeply in that that those uncomfortable feelings open to you. Right, Just the feeling, and you can think about it. I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday, and the, and the person talking, she said, uh, see if I can remember it, do it justice. Um, the pain is not the, the thing that causes you to suffer. It's the extreme avoidance of your pain that causes you to suffer. Pain is just a feeling. And sometimes it's an overwhelming feeling. Fear is a feeling. And sometimes it's an overwhelming feeling. But it's the resistance to it that leads to our suffering. How simple. How simple. Yet how hard. Yeah. So what we do instead of feeling our pain... Listen, I was expert at this. I, I'm probably still expert at this, but for, for since June, from June until August, I was like top notch. Give thanks I wasn't in front of anybody teaching anything. <laughs> I was in crisis management mode. Developing a story of how I could be useful and important and supportive to the people in my life. I was working at the highest level that I could find to avoid feeling the pain of what was happening right in front of me. And in doing so, generated so much suffering for myself and for those people I was trying to crisis manage. Because I'm a human, and that's what we do. I don't know why we do it, but we do. And, and my story is, is also your story. Because we all have parents, and we're going to lose them. It's inevitable. And we're all human. And the pain of loss is excruciating. But it doesn't have to be avoided. I was fortunate that at the very, very end, I snapped out of my insanity. The last week of July, I woke up to what I was doing, and then I was able to be fully present for my family and my father. And it was the most beautiful, most difficult, most painful thing I've ever done, ever. Ever. And I'll have to do it again. My mother is 
still kicking, you know? And it won't be the same, and it will be equally devastating, or maybe more. So I told myself at some point, if I could just stop trying to control this situation, maybe I could just be in it. And that's exactly what happened. And then it became hard to breathe because the the heaviness, the gravitas of the pain was so much that being in it was almost unbearable. But what choice do you have? Being in it was all I had available to me and for... I don't know, several weeks. Once I finally acquiesced to being in it, it was fast. About six weeks until my father passed. And and then after that, this is the amazing thing about death and grief. You can't get out of it. Being in it is no longer a question. It's like a black hole. It's the gravitational pull of grief is intense. But what I found was because I was able to go so far into that truth of the pain and the suffering that on the in-breath of coming out of the depths of it, resilience awaited. Right? That is, resilience is the rebound from the pain and if we want to be resilient we have to go towards the discomfort resilience is not a set of strategies to soothe or fix or solve if we want to be resilient it is the rebound that happens when we allow ourselves to go to the depth of our discomfort I found the easiest access point to that is our bodies. My pain speaks through my body. If you do yoga, probably all of you. I, I, I want to say almost everybody's pain speaks through their bodies, but maybe we don't realize that's what's happening. Or maybe we're so cut off from our physical experience that we don't even feel our bodies anymore, you know? My pain manifested as um, a loss of, I had extreme tendonitis in my elbows and I had a loss of mobility in my elbows. I could barely, I couldn't twist, I couldn't lift, I couldn't do anything, right? That's what happened before and then after my father passed, I could barely walk. I had so much pain in my knees. So when we can dare to go into our body and feel those messages in and through the body is where resilience can be accessed. That's the rebound point. We can't think our way into this. We can't meditate our way out of our discomfort. Not for any significant length of time. It will all catch up. 
I will, I will avoid going down my rant of uh, how perfection didn't work out for my teacher. But it didn't. As much as you desire to transcend the difficulty and seek and reach perfection, all of the struggle and the challenge is still there. So it seems to me like maybe the bravest thing we can do is go towards the challenge while we're in it. If we have the capacity. Right? So resilience is a capacity game. Resilience isn't soothing and it's not our story. Um, we we po- posted a an Instagram post up and, and somebody that I've known for a long time and is a lovely person expressed a really vulnerable and honest sentiment. I'm exhausted with being resilient, she said. Yeah, me too. But I think it's important to recognize that resilience isn't what happens after the pain in the sense that the idea is now my pain is gone and I have rebounded into resilience. Resilience is what happens. It's the rebound that happens from going deeply enough into how you feel that you get really real. And then that recognition of your reality helps you put your feet back on the ground. It opens the door for an and, a comma, a compound sentence, not an or, not a period, right? So I feel like I've rebounded into a resilient place in my body, in my mind, in my heart, and I cried this morning for like close to an hour. I am not resilient because I'm over my grief. I am resilient because I hope, I hope I'm resilient. Today I feel resilient. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? But I am resilient today because I can hold the grief and the storm cloud blue sky and the red and yellow trees against the horizon, the chill in the air. I can hold it both. One doesn't cease to exist because the other does. The tendency is to make our story centralize our suffering. So resilient, the absence of resilience is when our story is all about our suffering. And, And edits out all the beauty, all the joy. Right? That's that's the opposite of being resilient. But resilience includes all of the suffering and all of the beauty that we can access at any given time. One of the reasons that we have a tendency to edit out the beauty, well, there's a lot of reasons. And if you guys do your trauma research and your, uh, Megan loaned me a great book, Body Keeps the Score. Uh, I still have it, by the way. I haven't forgotten. If you, do, if you start going into semantics and, and understanding how our body holds, our body is the storehouse of our memories, um, then you'll see that there's a lot of reasons that we centralize ourselves in our stories. And most of them are around protection. 
We want to feel safe. And how we feel safe is we put ourselves in the center and make everybody else a threat. Right? But in doing so, in seeking that level of safety, we also keep away the things that can bring us joy, that can make us resilient. Right? And then it becomes almost like a habit to centralize ourselves in a story and say, I just can't change, just can't change, just can't change. It's who I am. Everything's unsafe. I just can't change. Right? Uh, there's a, in, in elderly populations, there's a, there's a question that lingers in the air. Um, is it the fear of falling that causes older people to fall? Or is it because older people fall, they're afraid? Right? So... The idea that we attract our own difficulty is how we get trapped in those spaces of self-identification and we lose our resilience. But we have the opportunity and we can start really small in those places of suffering to also see the beauty. It's an and game. Right? I've been, I was really fortunate. My story is not tragic. It's sad, but it's not tragic. My dad was 81 years old. He lived a hell of a life. He didn't travel the world, but man, he made a lot of people laugh and a lot of people happy. And there, were, there was a church full of people telling stories about my dad. It was beautiful. And he's gone. Both of those things are true. It's not tragic, but it's sad. And because it's not as hard to see the beauty inside the sadness, resilience is probably more accessible, at least to me in this place, right? When tragic, unexpected things happen, untimely things, resilience is something that requires more clawing at, Right? I, I've never lost a child. I pray to never lose a child. But I can imagine it would be hard to see beautiful flowers if I'd lost my child. Right? You have to scrape and claw at that more. When we move towards resilience or, or the experience of yoga as resilience, then what is accessible to us is an inside, in real time assessment of where we are all the time. What I've had to start doing every day is take it, and we talk, we talk about this in boundary building. So if you've done our trainings, you've, you've heard this. Um, but the very first thing I have to do every day is take an inventory of myself. How am I feeling inside? What kind of day is this today? How am I, how am I meeting this day from my heart and how is my body meeting this day and how are my thoughts meeting this day and then when I step out into the world I have this awareness that I'm either maybe it's a sad day and I get to carry my sadness with me as I look out and seek beauty actively or maybe it's a beautiful day and I get to hold a really tender space for the sad moments that catch me off guard 
Yeah. So it's a real time inside felt sense experience and we can't analyze our way out of it. We can't fix or solve it. And it's surfing a wave all the time. It doesn't matter whether your your difficulty or trauma is the loss of a loved one or if it's something physical or something emotional. It's the same process. Recognize where you are. What is true? What is real in real time? Not what is the past story that you're bringing with you. Not what you hope to happen in the future. Not the seeking of a period at the end of your suffering sentence. But where are you right now in this moment? Get really, really good at feeling your own feelings. That is the threshold of where resilience lies. This is how I feel right now. Right? When we keep trying to cover up, fix, or solve our feelings, resilience is hard to access because we're trying to use a bypass strategy. So if yoga can take you into your feelings, which I do believe is what we teach here, I do believe this is how we offer yoga to you as an invitation to feel. And so it's edgy and full of tension and difficulty and that is, tension is the potential power of Shakti, felt. Tension is Shakti, felt. There's so much potential in your tight hamstring. There's so much potential in your shoulders grinding or your tight neck if you dare to feel it. And then from that depth of feeling, you can release a little to what else exists, right? So when we move towards the yoga of resilience instead of the strategies for resilience, the process becomes an inside real-time job based on awareness. We release judgment or story-making. The story-making and the judgment often just puts us back in the trauma over and over and over again. And we learn to feel without analyzing or psychologizing. That is the practice of yoga. In doing that, we grow our capacity to feel more, which is tantra. Yoga is the practice of learning to feel. Tantra is the practice of growing to feel more. When we can feel more, we also can accept more. And maybe right there, just saying it, maybe it's like, I don't want to feel more. If you're telling me that in order to grow my capacity to feel more, I have to be willing to feel the pain and suffering I'm in. I don't want to feel more pain and suffering. Okay. But as it sat in my friend's uh, guest bedroom over her computer, when I would stay at her house, there was a little quote. I have no idea who said it. The height of our joy is equal only to the depth of our sorrow. We cannot choose, right? This is Brene Brown. We cannot selectively numb. We cannot choose to not feel this discomfort and then demand that we feel all the joy and happiness available to us. It's not an either or. It's an and. 
And resilience is the and. We say, yes, I'm going to feel this discomfort because in doing so, my capacity to feel more joy grows. It's not an or. If I can feel this discomfort, then I'll feel joy because this discomfort will go away. No, it's not a, a joy or pain situation. It's both. Right? I am here. I'm going to read my notes. I am neither the first nor the last person to lose a parent, a loved one, or a beloved. Death is raw and real and devastating, and that's just true. And it's not just true for me. Right? My ability to place myself in that truth and to feel everything that is true about it is my access point. It's the threshold to my resilience. Resilience will bring us closer together. It does not divide us and push us apart. Right? Strength and independence and the ability to go it alone isn't resilience. It's great, I guess. It's very uh, bootstrappy. But it's not the same thing as resilience. We need each other, y'all. And we find each other by recognizing that our pain is everyone's pain. Right? That our bodies are communicating our difficulties And so are the bodies of our students. And so are the bodies of our friends and our parents. And then we get really right really quick by not trying to fix any of that. And instead, holding a lot of space, a lot of understanding, a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy around the discomforts that other people are feeling because we start here. We start getting really compassionate with our own pain. And our bodies will direct how we need to move. Our, our minds are an obstacle to our resilience. I would say, and this is a rough estimate, 97.99% of the time. Our minds get in the way trying to fix and solve. Maybe soothe. I don't know if your mind soothes you. <laughs> Mine rarely does. when you can move into and with the sensations within you in real time rather than see them as problems to fix they can be doorways to compassion vulnerability and care like it or not we feel everything in and through our bodies with gentle and consistent cultivation of awareness, we can start to be more compassionate and resilient because of that. Yeah. Let's see. The last thing I want to say. Start in and with your body. 
that's the gift of yoga. That's the gift that Kelsey's going to share with you. That's the opportunity we have to have found this embodiment practice. There's so much of the industry is teaching it as a bypassing practice right now. We could do it differently. We could teach it as an entry point. We could teach it as a way in instead of a way out. And by teaching it as a way in, resilience will be how we live. We won't have to strategize it. It will be who we are. Your body is the container of your truth. Cultivate the capacity to feel your discomfort. Your emotions are felt through your body. Your thoughts are expressed through your body. This container is the threshold. Learn to feel that discomfort without needing to alleviate or even relieve it. And that will bring you to the place where you can rebound. Where you can remember that joy can be your compass just as much as pain can be. Right? So that's what I got. And give me a shout or an email or a note if you want to chat about it more. If it's This podcast is only a fraction of what we do at Virabhava Yoga. To learn more about our live classes, workshops, online tantric meditation and yoga trainings, visit our website www.virabhavayoga.com or follow us on Instagram at virabhavayoga. You can also register to attend these conversations live and download the associated asana classes by visiting virabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. Don't forget to use code podcast2022 to save 15% off of anything on our website. May these conversations inspire you to explore yoga as resilience in your life. Thanks for listening.